Hey, good morning, Fellowship Church. How we doing? Man, it's been a great morning already. The first service was incredible. Man, just thank you to our worship team. Thank you to the families and the visitors, the guests that they brought this morning. What a great day to be in the house. Amen? Come on. Hey, uh, we're continuing in our series. Uh, I'm not Pastor Kirk. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and I worship arts pastor here, and just excited to be able to preach the word today. Um, pastor Kirk is enjoying vacation as he's turned 47 years old today. Uh, yesterday, yesterday was his birthday. He's an old, old guy. Um, I'm much younger, much better looking, and so it's going to be a good day for all of you. Um, uh, we're in week three of our sermon series, Relationship Goals, hashtag Relationship Goals. Um, and I just want to start by saying this. Um, we all need some help in our relationships. Amen? Yeah, y'all were, the first day was like, oh, we got it pretty good. You guys are more by like, yeah, amen. Amen. And uh, so in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at the books of wisdom. That's uh, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and, and we're looking at some of these books and, and saying, hey, God, what is that for me? What is the wisdom that I need to have better and healthier relationships? Because truth truth is we need it. We live in a culture where our relationships are uh, magnified and celebrated in the craziest of ways. Anybody ever watched The Bachelor? What a disaster of a show that is, right? Quite honestly, um, we, we, we see we live in a culture where people get their relationship ideas from uh, the Kardashians, um, keeping up with them. And, and quite honestly, what that is is just it's a gross exaggeration of the reality of many of the relationships that we are dealing with in a day-in and day-out basis. And so we know we need some help because every single person in here has some relationship, every one of you, there's nobody who's exempt from this, where you have a relationship where you have some regret, maybe some anxiety, some fear, some disappointment, and we know deep down that this is not God's best. This is not his way. And, um, and so, you know, the reality is we go into relationships with these expectations. Nobody starts like, I'm just going to say this, nobody goes into a marriage and, and with the expectation that, hey, you know, give it two or three years and we're out of here. Like, I've never done a wedding like that. Right? They're like, hey, till death do us part, or, you know, you have seven times you can leave the toilet seat up after that, and we're done. Right? Until I learn your bad habits, right? I say this in, in every wedding that I do. It's one of my favorite things to say in a wedding. It's like we look at the couple. We look at the beautiful couple, and we think hashtag relationship goals. They're a match made in heaven. And I say it in every wedding. I say, you know what else is made in heaven? Hail and thunderstorms, and you're going to deal with them right? Because that's the reality of relationships. And we go into them with these false expectations, right? We don't go into friendships or business relationships with destruction as the end. Hey, let's hang out so we can ruin each other's lives, right? We don't do that. We don't go into it with those expectations, but sometimes the reality is our expectations are met. Let me tell you a story. My wife and I, I'm talking fast because we got to go. All right, y'all just deal with me. I'm, I'm one of those people, all right? I'm just, all right? My wife and I have been married. This year, we will celebrate 18 years of marriage. Yeah. And some of you are like, you look so young. How'd you do that? Just, it's magic. All right, 18 years. And let me tell you something. I know how to romance a woman, right? And so I, we got married in our, on our honeymoon. Let me, let me just tell you about our honeymoon. Uh, when we got married, we were, we were Poe. You couldn't even put the O and the R on the end of it. We was PO apostrophe, P-O apostrophe. We didn't have any money. I just started serving at the church. Kirk's like, hey, I'll give you 47 cents a week. I was like, deal, let's do it. I need to learn ministry. I was in seminary and, and serving here at Fellowship Church. We had like seven people at the church. I was like, what do I do? He's like, just talk to them. 
right? And so I was doing that 47 cents a week. Uh, my wife was still a student at LSU when we got married. And so we didn't have any money. And we were going to go on our honeymoon. And I was going to take her. I was just going to be like, hey, listen, baby, I know how to do this. What we're going to do is we're going to go to your favorite place in the world. Your favorite place was Disney World. Now, being Poe, apostrophe, and going to Disney World, those two things don't go together. They just don't, right? And so I had a great idea. I said, baby, look, I love you so much. What we're going to do is I'm going to get you into Disney World no matter what the cost. All we have to do is go to a one-hour presentation about this timeshare. <laughs> All we got to do is just one hour. We listen to this guy talk to us. We say, all right, give us our tickets. We go to Disney World. Boom, free, baby. And she was like, you are the man of my dreams. I just love you so much. She was really like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? This was a bad idea. Can we go back to two days ago? Um, and so here's what happens. The morning we want to go to Disney World, we wake up from our hotel. She's still got her sweatpants on. Now, you got to remember, she's like 20 years old. She got her sweatpants on. I got eye boogers rolling. Out. I'm like, let's go to this presentation. We show up. They, it's this beautiful resort. They sit us down in this ballroom, and we sit at this table. And we're like, we do not belong here. But oh well, two free, two free tickets to Disney. Let's go, right? We're sitting there, and an old man comes, and he's the nicest man in the world. He sits down, and he's like, you are such a beautiful couple. I just think you guys are wonderful. Tell me about yourselves. And for 30 minutes, he just asked us questions about ourselves. Tell me about marriage. Oh, you're going to love being married. You guys are perfect for each other. What do you do? I'm in ministry. I love church. I've been before, right? Like, like, I love pastors. I care so much about that. And, and you're doing the Lord's work, and God's going to bless you, and it's great, and I just love everything about you. And I was sitting there with Jessica's like, oh, this, I would have done this for free right here. This guy's great. He loves us. I'm beginning to love this guy. This is fantastic. He's like, hey, I just need 10 minutes. I want to show you the resort. And we walk through the resort, and he shows us in these condos. And they overlook. He's like, look, you can see Epcot from here. I was like, oh, you can. That's pretty neat. Cool. And then he brings us around to different places. Look at the fancy pools. And then he comes, and we go back to the ballroom, and we sit down. And he says, man, did you like it? I was like, man, you guys got a good thing going here. This is really nice. He's like, listen for $800 a month. You can have all of this and more two weeks of the year. You don't say. Sounds like a steal from you. I said, listen, buddy. I didn't say that. I said, sir, I got to be honest with you. I barely make $800 a month. This is not a wise investment on our behalf. And I said, I'm going to have to pass. And immediately the nicest old man snaps and he turns on us. What do you mean? Don't you love your wife? I kid you not. He asked if I loved my wife because I wouldn't pay $800 a month for two weeks at his resort. Yes, I love my wife. Don't you want to give her this gift? She's like, I don't want this gift. Why don't you want this gift? You guys are poor. He just snapped on us. He was so mean that eventually I just said, look, sir, this is getting out of hand. Can I just have my two free tickets to Disney World and go? Um, and he said, yes, the line's over there. I'm kidding you not. I'm like, I'm, this is 100% true. We go to the line. And I was like, hey, baby, we did it. She's like, I hate you so much. <laughs> and I said, we're going to Disney World, baby. We got it. That's all we had to do. She's like, this is the worst day of my life. And as we're standing in line, he had to get one last remark, and the old man passed by. He saw us in the line, 100% true. He passes by, and he says, hey, Jonathan, 
I look back at him, yes, sir. Maybe one day you'll listen to Jesus and throw the net on the other side of the boat and catch some fish with gold coins in them and you won't be poor. And walked off. I 100% am not making this story up. And I said, sir, I haven't been in seminary long, but I know that's a mishandling of the ticket. That's what the Bible says. And you wonder, John, why do you tell us this crazy story? Because listen, this old man had some expectations for that morning and for our relationship. And as soon as he realized his expectations were no longer going to be met, his happiness took a big hit and he turned on us. And why do I tell a story? Is because many people in the house today are living out relationships as a presentation of health and of unity and when in reality the expectations are not being met and our relationships are suffering as a result. Here's what I know, church, that in every relationship that you have, God's way is better. If you take something from today, at least grasp that because then you know to stop leaning on your own understandings and start leaning on his. But in every one of your relationships, his way is better. And I tell you that because we have an enemy, church, that seeks to destroy our relationships. If he can meet us in our relationships, he can get us, and he can ruin us, and he can kill our witness. And I know this about the enemy. He doesn't come barreling in like a lion trying to rip your heads off. He sneaks into your relationships through misleading and deceptive tricks, several of which we're talking about in this series, and it's the idea behind this series. And one of those little sneaky deceptions is actually going to frame our big idea for today. And this is the deception that a lot of us believe. It's this, that God just wants you to be happy. There's a lot of us that believe this is the way I live my life because God just wants me to be happy. And here's the problem with that. Because believe it or not, God's primary purpose for your life is not that you're happy, successful, healthy, wealthy, or wise. And that doesn't sound like great news today, right? That's not the primary purpose, even though he may give you some of these things. God's primary goal for your life and what he chose for you before the foundation of the world is this, that you are holy. That's God's purpose, that you would be holy. That doesn't mean that you're perfectly pious and you never sin amen it means that you're set apart for the pursuit of bringing God glory in everything that you do and everything that you say and in everything that you think and do it in a way that reflects who he is to the world and then you see yourself rightly in view of who he is and all of this is magnified in the context of every one of our relationships and so don't get it twisted I'm not saying, hey, God does not care if you're happy. Holiness does not mean that you'll never be happy because I believe this. God loves us to be happy. Every good and every perfect gift is from him. But on the other side, the enemy's goal for you is this. And the good news according, the gospel according to Satan is this. Can you be completely satisfied and have zero holiness in your life? Because if the enemy gets you to be satisfied and lack holiness, he wins. So what I want to do today is I want to combat this deception that we believe that God just wants us to be happy. We're going to look in Proverbs 11, 1 through 2. There's a reason Kirk gave me two verses. He says, Jonathan, when you preach, you preach like 50 minutes. What if I cut it down to two verses? You think you can get it in 40? I said, let's give it a shot. Probably not. 
Proverbs 11, verses 1 through 2, just two verses, it says this. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. And our big idea of this is this. It's the relationship goal. Hashtag relationship goal. The third one of this series is this. Healthy relationships pursue humility over happiness. Like Pastor Kirk said in week one of this series, for us to discover, develop, and defend healthy relationships, we must cling to this wisdom that healthy relationships will pursue humility over happiness. In Solomon's time, and it actually happens a lot today, in Solomon's time, scales were like this. This Probably not just like this. I bought this on Amazon for like $8. But, um, you know, they were they're kind of like this idea. Scales like this were used um, for transactions of business. And they would put stones in each side to weigh what was sold or what was purchased. And so there was the dishonest businessmen who would use light stones on one side if they were selling and heavier ones if they were buying to determine the cost of a product. Today, the equivalent might be like going to the butcher and them giving you one pound of meat and you pay three pounds of meat, right? You pay, or going to the gas and you get one gallon and it's like $14 a gallon. Let's pray. Let's pray for the gas. <laughs> but they would do this. And, 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 and the Bible says, you know, spiritually speaking, any deliberate act to take advantage of another would fall into the same category. Dishonest transactions do not escape the Lord's attention. And do you know this about your relationships? Our relationships are transact. They're a series of transactions. They're, I'm putting a deposit down, and I'm getting an investment out of it. I'm going to do this transaction. You're going to do this. We're going to have a transactions back and forth. And that's what our relationships are. It's a series over and over and over of this sort of currency back and forth um, emotionally and provisionally. All these things are just transactions over and over. And here's the problem with our relationships. Most of our relationships have a lack of balance. Trying to take advantage on this end, and, and, and I'm going to explain this in a second, but what does the Bible say? What is it? We just read it. This dishonest lack of balance is what was the word? An ab abomination. We don't even use that word. Like, your kid's got to make you fiery mad if you're going to be like, that is an abomination, son. <laughs> that is a serious word. And when we live our lives out of balance, it's an abomination to the Lord. When I was 17 years old, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share this story. I did it in the first service and everybody laughed at me. When I was 17 years old is whenever I finally, I, I was a believer when I was 11, but when I was 17 years old, I decided I was going to get serious about my walk with the Lord. And so my parents, my parents bought me the biggest Bible. If you got a big Bible in the house today, would you hold it up in the air? Who's got that big? Yes. Hold it up. Yes. You all get three extra points today. <laughs> right? I got that big old Bible. Right? And so I began to read the Bible. And another thing that I grew interested in when I was 17 years old uh, was the ladies. Just keeping it real. Right? So I, I love the Lord, and I love the ladies. I got to balance that sucker out, you know. So, oh. <laughs> and so, so I went to a Bible study one time, and somebody was talking about Proverbs 31. Y'all know about Proverbs 31? Proverbs 31 is a description of, I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to open it up here in my Bible. Hold on. Proverbs 31 is the wife of noble character. 
Right, and I read Proverbs 31. It's like, this lady is like this. And I was like, man, that's a good lady. And so when I was 17, I was an idiot. I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a list to go along with this list of the lady that I'm going to marry. And so I took a pen out, and in the bottom of Proverbs 31, I began to write a list of the lady I was going to marry. She had to be like Proverbs 31, but a few other things added on, like she had to be at least five foot seven, because I'm, I'm five eleven. <laughs> you think I'm joking? She had to have brown hair, play an instrument. She had to like sports. She had to care about me more than she cared about herself, that's for sure. She had to do this, this. I had a whole list. That's embarrassing. It really is. I had a list. Forgot about that. I got me a new Bible. Put this Bible away. Set it on a bookshelf. Got engaged to Jessica. She came over to the house. I was like, I got Bibles. Let's read the Bible. I guess she opens the Bible. She goes to Proverbs 31. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jessica's like, what's this? I was like, what you looking at? I'm a Proverbs 31. I was like, oh, you found that? Uh, that was an accident. You accidentally wrote this whole list out? She's like, let me read it. Five foot seven. I'm five foot one inch tall, Jonathan. I was like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. She got to have brown hair. She's strawberry blonde. She got to play an instrument. I don't play instruments. She, she got to like sports. I hate the sports. I was like, that was an accident. She's like, Jonathan, it looks like you described a female version of yourself. <laughs> and I walked over to her. She was sitting at the desk in my, in my room. I was like, let me see that list. And I had a pin behind my back. I was like, <laughs> and you think I'm lying. Look, it's right there. Y'all thought I was just preacher talking, making up a story. <laughs> we sit down together at night and we're like, what does that say right there? That would have been funny. She's like, I wish I had, I wish it was the age of cell phones where I could take a picture and hold it over your head forever. But we remember the once <laughs> that I was an idiot and made a list. And it seems absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but what I did is I said, she gotta be five foot seven. She gotta have brown hair. She gotta play an instrument. She got to like the sports. She basically got to be like me, you know what I'm saying? And we go into our relationships like this, and it seems ridiculous, but here's what I know. You are all like me. Maybe just not as idiotic and wrote it, wrote it down. But every relationship that you go into, you have a list in your heart and in your head. That you have these expectations on other people. And you begin to pile the rocks on the weight and on the scale. But thank God that he is not the God of our list. I thank, I thank the Lord all the time. Jessica's way better than me. She is way better than me. My, my list was dumb. But God is not the God of my list. His way is better. Thank you, Lord, that you don't always line up with what I line out. His way is better. Young people, look, y'all laughing at me. I saw you laughing at my joke, Luke. I thought you, that's a funny story. You an idiot. I know. Listen, young people. Ladies, there's some of you out there 
who would say, look, I'm, I'm going to date that guy. He, he got to be at least six foot two. He, he, he got to like that country music like I like it. He got to be able to cook salmon over an open fire like a wild man, right? He got, he got to have at least a six-pack. I'll take an eight-pack because that look good too, but you know, six-pack. Listen to me, young ladies. There's a bunch of older ladies in the room that had the same dreams you did. Look who they're married to. Amen, I love you. It's just a joke. Y'all y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. My wife is one of them, right? Don't, don't nobody leave offended. I'm sorry. That's, Kirk, Kirk going to fire me, man. I've been here a long time. I don't want him to do that. Listen, I'm going to be your friend, but you need to laugh at my jokes. You need to like the sports I like. You need to have a certain level of success to associate with me. If you're going to hang out at my house, you got to wear a certain type of clothes. And, and listen, don't call me. If you call me, we're not friends. You can text me, right? And, and if you text me, make sure you use the right emoji. If you use emoji out of context, man, I just can't hang out with you, right? right? And if you cook salmon, it doesn't have an L in it. It's not salmon, right? Like we have all these demands and these things in our list, and we ask, what do I need in order to be happy in our relationship? Lots of transactions required by you. But listen, church, happiness is a product of healthy relationships. It is not the goal. And when happiness is the goal of your relationships, pride will always be the product. Pride will always be the product of your relationships if you're pursuing happiness. It leads to this lack of balance. We tip the scale in our favor. So what is the goal, church? If pride is the destruction, then humility is the edification. Humility is the edification. Most of our relationships are actually a passionate pursuit of happiness instead of humility. But like it says in verse 2, pride comes before the disgrace. We know in Proverbs 16 18, what comes before the fall? Pride. In 1812 of Proverbs, another wise saying, when you chase after happiness, you're choosing haughtiness. Another word for this deep-seated pride. So let's be real honest, church. You may not have a list as cheesy and silly as mine, but in your heart, you have a list of every expectation and every standard that your people need to live up to. Let me ask the question, just the simple question. Who in the house today wants a healthy relationship? How many, how many of you want your relationships to be healthy? Yeah, all around the room. You have a couple people who are like, I'm indifferent. I'm not raising my hand just because I don't like you. That's fine. But for the most part, you know you're sitting there and you believe, I want healthy relationships. Listen to this. A healthy relationship will always be about what it costs you, not just them. Evaluate your relationship. A healthy relationship is humility over happiness. It's about giving of yourself in ways big and small. It is about offering forgiveness when you've been hurt. It's about giving your time, though it's not always convenient. It's about sharing your heart when you'd rather hold back. Or maybe it's about holding back instead of responding in anger. It's about cleaning the kitchen after a long weekend, even if it's your least favorite job. It's about offering a listening ear when you'd rather tune out or go to bed or watch the game. It's about knowing that a phone works two ways. It's about putting someone else's needs and desires before your own. It's about giving up that last bite of cake, Jesus help us, so that your spouse can enjoy it. It's about laying down your rights to make way for the rights of another. Listen, I could go on and on and on, but healthy relationships always end with the same formula. You before me and we before I. Humility 
over happiness. So I want to ask you, church, will you lay down your pride? And if you're sitting there right now and you say, I don't really have the pride, that's their thing. That's one of the most prideful things about you. Because some of us, not all of us, some of us are the know-it-alls in the relationship. Some of us have to win every single argument. Some of us refuse to apologize first. Some of us refuse to stand up in defense of a relationship. Some of us will run at the second or third or, or fourth sign of trouble instead of seeking the Lord and praying for the other person with perseverance and patience and kindness. And listen, church, this is not of God. It is prideful. And it is, what does the Bible say? An abomination. And sadly, we live in a world that despises humility. Culture teaches us to strive for power, for control, for the upper hand in relationships. They tell us to do what feels good and not to tolerate anything less. They fool us into thinking that real love is about doing what makes us happy. And the second that we feel less than happy, they encourage us to bail, to abandon ship, and to stop investing. But they have got it all wrong. God's way, let me tell you, is better. And the more that we give, the better that we become. You see, healthy relationships are not self-seeking. They will always cost you. You know that, church? It will always cost you. It'll cost you your heart, your time, your money, your comfort, your rights, your pride. It will cost you to lay down your life for the life of another. And only those who learn to die to themselves are the ones who get to experience the resurrection power that comes with it. And I'm talking about that power is real in love and in life and in your relationships. So we need to find the right Balance. We need to put humility over happiness. Let's go back to my Proverbs 31 list for a second. Can we do that? Pull it out. I'm preaching with two Bibles today. You know, it's like, man, he's jobs are good. Y'all tell Kirk about that. He used two Bibles. You never do that. But let's go back to my list in Proverbs 31. And this is like this noble wife of, who, of great character. It's like, man, that would be a good person to marry. I like that person. I'm going to make another list and add to it. That was dumb. All right? Establish that. But you know what I should have written in my Bible? See, if I was a mature believer and I really understood what God was trying to say in this time, what I needed to do was take a list. And I needed to write a list of what kind of husband that I should be. I needed to write a list of the kind of friend that I should be. A list of the kind of pastor, the kind of employee that I should be. The kind of father that I should be. The kind of son that I should be. The kind of relation, any relationship I have, that is the list that I should have wrote. You see, instead of all the things that Jessica, my wife, needed to live up to, or maybe you think about the people in your life, maybe my list should have been God. Make me a defender of the helpless. God, would you make me trustworthy? Would you make me helpful? Hardworking, full of integrity, passionate and energetic. I got that part. God, make me thrifty. I did that too. Two free tickets to Disney. Make me wise with my resources so that in every season I'm ready to give because it's not about me. 
Everything, Lord, make me kind. Make me what? I need to add a bunch of things. See? Listen. A little too much. You got to do something too. (laughs) But the list should have been different. It should have said, God, make me this way. And whenever we choose humility, then you have the right balance and you have a healthy relationship. You see, my list had to go because merely focused on what would bring me happiness. How can they benefit me and me and me again? And it's prideful, it's self-righteous, and you will never have healthy relationships living a self-righteous life. So I want you to think about your, let's, 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 what's the takeaway? What do we do with this? Here's what I believe we need to do this morning. It's time to burn the list. And I'm not just talking about my list. You have a list in your head of expectations and requirements of people in your life. And I'm here to say this morning, church, it is time to burn the list. Some of you need to burn the list this morning and make a phone call today. I'm talking about as soon as this service ends, maybe before it ends, you need to walk out in the lobby and you need to make a phone call to somebody because you need to burn the list. Some of you need to burn the list and set up a meeting, grab a cup of coffee with a friend that you hadn't talked to in some time, a family member that you've been avoiding. And it's time to burn the list. Some of you need to burn the list and get good Christian professional counseling. It's time to burn the list. And that is not, listen to me, Proverbs will tell you over and over again, it is wise to seek the counsel of the wise. It is not a moment of weakness to say, I need to talk to somebody. Let me tell you something, it is wisdom. And some of you need to burn the list today and seek some wisdom. Some of you need to burn the list and admit admit that you are the one that needs to seek forgiveness first. I want to close with this. The best example of burning the list. Because, because let's, let's know this. That did you know that God made you for a purpose and with some expectation that you and I were made in His image? We were made as reflections of His glory so that everything that we did, He would be magnified on this earth. He made us so that we would walk with Him, so that we would know Him, that we would worship Him and glorify Him. That's the list for us. But we failed. We missed the mark. We didn't meet that expectation. We sinned, we turned our back on him every single one listen every single one of us in the room every single one of us out there we've missed the mark we failed the list but thank you God he burned the list let me read this Philippians chapter 2 this is what it means and what it looks like 
So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what did he do? He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, us, broken, deprived, turned our back on him men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross he burned the list and therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, can we worship him this morning? For he burned the list. And in the greatest act of humility, what he did is he said, listen, I didn't just do this. I didn't just do this. I literally did everything. And you know what? You thought you did something, nothing that you did can compare. Nothing that you did will win you over. Nothing that you did will redeem the list. Only I can redeem the list. And so we get this beautiful picture of Jesus saying, you know what? You fell short. You fell short. But I love you so much. Forget the list. I'm going to take the place so that you can be restored in relationship and once again walk with him once again be with him once again come to this place and worship freely for he's worthy of it all this is our God who burned every list for you and let me tell you something that's the most important thing when we go into our relationships and we think anything less than what Christ has done for us we will not walk in the humility that is required for our relationships to thrive and so here's the challenge to us this morning. You have two ways to respond. One, you need to burn the list for yourself. You need to take the list that you have, maybe for your spouse. Maybe they're sitting right next to you. I don't know. For a friend that you've had this grudge over some ridiculous thing and you've lost sight of what God has done for you and it's time for you to burn the list. Make a phone call, set up a meeting, and tell somebody you love them and you're here for them. And then the second thing is this. Do you see what Jesus has done? What he's done? What he's done? I thank God for what he's done. And you need to respond to what he's done in your life. And maybe you've never said, never, maybe you've never responded to this Jesus and today's the day you need to do that so as we wrap up our service our response is two things maybe you need to make a call maybe you need to come down here and pray and seek the Lord seek the wisdom of the Lord ask him what you need to do next and you need to go out burn the list and you need to talk to somebody or maybe you need to come and pray with one of our prayer counselors and I'll be up here in the front
But maybe you need to respond to the gospel, knowing that Jesus did all that for you so that you could know him. Those are our things. As we get ready to leave this place, before we leave, this is how we will respond. Let me ask you, church, would you pray with me and stand in this moment? God, I pray for your people. God, I pray that for every list that's on their heart and their relationships, God, be burned up in the sight of you and your presence and your humility. And God, that we would respond in our relationships in complete humility. That in these next few moments, we would reflect on what you have done for us and that it would flow into every one of our relationships. God, may we not miss this divine appointment, this opportunity to respond to what you have said. These next few moments are yours, God. Would you move in us? Would you speak to us? In Jesus' name.